This is Success Beyond the Score, giving insights and tips to help you learn how to build your music career from the best in the field by Millicent Stevenson. Millicent is a multi-award winning saxophonist and endorser of Harry Hartman's Fiber Reads. She is currently serving on the Executive Committee of the Musicians' Union. With over 40 years experience in the creative industry, Millicent has honed her performance and business skills. She provides personal development training and coaching via her online platform, successbeyondthescore.com. Hello, I'm Millicent Stevenson, and I'm happy to have you back for another episode of Success Beyond the Score. This time, we're going to go straight to the main topic of the whole podcast, the business side of music. But just before I get there, I want to let you know I have a new gift just for you. It's called 10 Reasons Why They Will Pay You Before Gig Day. Now, if you've tried to get paid in advance and it's not worked, this list will give you 10 indicators that your customers are considering before they pay you in advance. It will help you to understand what they're thinking, but more importantly, it will allow you to put one or two things in place to make it possible for you to get paid before you hit the stage. The link is www.successbeyondthescore.com forward slash get paid before gig day. And that's all one word. And the link can be found in the description. Now let's get back to the main topic of today's episode. The business side of music. It is an essential part of the journey to becoming a professional musician, but it does intimidate many emerging artists but it doesn't have to be that way. Let my brilliant guest tell you all about it. We're going to talk about record labels, contracts, finance, networking, training and education. They're going to give you their experiences and they're not going to keep any secrets. We have a full house today, so let me welcome Ruby Turner, Dan Whitehouse, Anna Brooks, Abigail Kelly, Louise Dengate and Tony Bean. Now, the interviews are recorded through Zoom due to COVID-19 lockdown and easing, so you might perceive a slight change of audio quality between the introduction and the show. But as always, the information is stellar and it's really going to help you move forward in your music. So, let's get down to business. I think there's a lot of people who feel like with music, everything should happen now. You know, mm. I should get on yeah, stage yeah. and I should get signed and everything should fall. I should have a fan base. I could sell. And I know it doesn't happen like that, you know, but I'm just interested in that journey that maybe people hearing it from you might realize this is what you got to do. <laughs> well, it is. And but we have to be honest as well. Times have changed. Mm. Things have changed. Um, the generation that's come through now are much more aware and self-aware self-confident they know what they want because i guess they probably learned from people like ourselves way back yeah. when yeah. you know there i say back then i was just a humble artist and and for me what was happening to me was just amazing yeah. and i just thought to myself well i'm not gonna stand i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna shy away from this this I, it was divine intervention things were moving yeah and i was just going with it mm. i was going with it but what kept me going as well the fact that I, I was loving what was happening because I was discovering myself too. Yeah. I could sing and, and acting and all those things. It was just a revelation, but also 
you have to remember it, I came from school where I had the head teacher had yeah. that confidence yeah. in me. Yeah. So when you had that, when I had that from school coming through that said, that's what you should go. She wanted me to go to drama school. That wasn't going to happen because A, it just wasn't. But then the music took off. And, mm. and so, you know, and I guess it's a question of, you know, perseverance. And mm. that's what I did. I didn't, and I didn't have any, preconceived ideas about where it was going to end up it did right you know what right. Millicent it didn't matter where it ended up because mm. what I'm young I'm yeah. just going yeah. Yeah. I'm on an adventure <laughs> I'm on an adventure and and in a funny kind of way good and bad yeah good that because here I am still doing my thing I still enjoy my life and still in control of me yeah. and still kind of go still on an adventure yeah I'm, I'm looking for adventures that's what's all about life's all about yeah. finding new things and seeing it's alive, keeps them alive. Okay. Because I didn't do that, then the business side fell. Oh. I didn't know much about it. I did. I left it up to others to right. do it. Right. You know, because I believe they. Well, I did. It's them. They were. They were doing it. They knew what they were doing, and I, I just did what I. You know, mm. I'm just being an artist, doing singing and you know preparing myself and 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 doing it, trying to do a great job. Yeah. And they was doing the stuff. What fell down was the fact that. I didn't know much about any of that. So yeah, I become became reliant on others to run the business side of things. You run my business. It became, became as time went on, became a business because that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Developed into a business. That's At first right. I was a, I was a child and I was working, I had a nine-to-five and I was enjoying myself. Yes. I was yes. enjoying myself. And you know what? I don't regret it. So listen, the, the business side, I mean, is another element. I know you, there's certain things you, you won't say on air, which is fine, but what is it of the business that you felt if that people really need to be aware of, of the music business? Well, I think it's, I mean, you know, everybody has a role in life. Right. You're the artist, then your management and your tour management. And so everybody plays their part. Yeah. But I think as an artist, you also need to have a little... You need to know some of it, yeah. So that you know where your money's been invested. Because come the end of the day, you know you, you're racking up a lot of money because it's been spent, and you don't know how. how you know reasons being. Um, at the same time, you know decisions are being made for you um, that may not be right for you. Mm. You know people you know engage you and sort of oh that be and arrange and said it's okay. No, you need to know. They need to. You need to have the discussion all the time. Any artist, it's like a forum, whatever it is, they come to you and they clear it with you. Okay. You need you need information up front. Don't, don't let, as far as I'm concerned, back in there, people make decisions on your behalf. Hmm. You need to have an idea about what's going on. So you can prepare yourself or go, no, I don't think, I don't think it's for me ethically or whatever. You know, yeah. That's the that kind of business, with regards to the money side, you'll never work that one out, never in a thousand years, because there's certain people who get a lot of money in this industry, mm -hmm. and so it don't really matter what happens to it, and some will get little and nothing, I have yeah. to make it stretch, yeah. and so I won't even go into that one, mm. but I've been stretching for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making it stretch, <laughs> to the point where there's no stretching, and so, but it's, it not, doesn't matter, because mm. I, I've now find myself in a position where having worked so hard you know yeah. when I, when the deals all kind of dried up and it wasn't going to happen anymore 2007 mm. was when i made my own album okay. my own independently but yeah. then that meant i had to it's my savings you know i was working hard touring hard with other people and with my own band as well and i just invested 
in, you know, because I wanted to keep recording. Yeah. Because that was going to happen. I waited so long for a deal to come. The ones I had several deals that were like really not very good. Um, because what happens with them, they give you a deal, but then you don't get the support in terms of to promote the product. Okay. And, you know, and you're expected to go and sing across the whole, you know, um, strata just to, 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 to publicize it. And yeah. you know that don't work as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. as having the, the support, the backup of you know, somebody investing in the PR. All so right. yeah, yeah, there's all those things. So, you know, I was able to do my own album and which was great. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I didn't realize that the PR in and the promoting and whatever, it was another load of um, finance that I had to find. Yeah. It's one thing finding that the recording stuff yes. and the rest yes. of it. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, it doesn't matter because even when I was signed to them, it wasn't there anyway so uh, let's carry on yeah yeah at least i own the product now at least i can go out with conviction and heart because i'm doing something which is from me i i you know you gave birth to it so you support it and you and and, and that's basically what I, i've been doing ever since really wow yeah five albums since you know okay. I've, I've recorded since then but yeah it's, it's not been easy but just to keep going you know just to, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. i mean i'm jumping you know, but hey, that's where I am now, you know. No, I mean, I think it's really good because one of the things I like about you is that you have a, a long lasting career and it's a full time music career. Mm. And I wonder, I mean, we've talked about many things, but what are the sort of things that you feel has made it possible for that longevity? And that's just kept it because not everybody can actually do over 30 years or more. But well, if I said, like I said at the beginning, it's the adventure. Mm. I'm a child of possibilities, Mm. endless, you know, and because the music is first, I've served the music. And if you, that's, if, if you know what it is Mm. that you are doing and you're serving, then everything else will pale. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you'll get by you because of your determination to do this particular thing. I never kind of, to be honest, no, in truth, there was a time when it got so, so stressful and, 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 and I kind of lost heart in it that I went and retrained as a, as a, as an early years learner, oh, um, okay. teacher. Yeah. yeah. So I did a bit of that. Mm-hmm. And, and the strangest thing was I started that, the, the training and I did it. So I, cause what I wanted to do was to open up a nursery school. Okay. But, to, but yeah, but, be, but before I could do that, I had to be trained. Mm-hmm. So I went into the training. And then, you know, all the, the red tape and what have you to, to do this thing mm-hmm. came about. But while that was happening, I got a role in a theater piece. Right. And I went off and toured for a year in Japan in Carmen Jones. So, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, the theater came back. Yes. It's, yeah. You know, the theater came home. Yeah. And it kind of saved me in a way, you know, to not lose, to keep me on track. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so it's, it's, opportunities and and you know knock and it's whether or not you're prepared to be you're ready to open the door or you're ready to take those opportunities and so I did I I I went to retrain and I was happy doing that because it was I thought this industry is tough they're not getting the support and la 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 what have you but instead of just sitting there bleeding and complaining you know what I know the score to a degree let me go and do something else just to get out of it for a while and it was less than two years Mm. And I was back in and again, but in a different way, back in, back into theater, which yeah. is when I started. Yes. So yes. Back yeah. into the theater. Yeah. And then 
the music took on again. Have you ever thought about retiring at all? I know you talked about in the early days, maybe you'd have gone into early learnings. But um, at this stage, do you, are you just going to keep going until, or have you got well, you plans to slow you don't down? Retire from, you don't retire from a gift, do you? Hmm. How, do you how do you shake off your, you know, it, it found me. Like I said, these, these things find you. Yeah. Um, so how do you walk away from it? Yeah. It's impossible. It has occurred to me, you know, yeah. health issues, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. How long can you keep going? You yeah. know, you know, since it, like I say, since it stopped working, I haven't stopped. I have not come off that wheel. It not stopped, non-stop. Yeah. And the little break came, you know, it, for someone like me and many others, I'm sure, appreciated just putting that suitcase away. And after when I, when you open on, they've got, I've got four suitcases for different nights. How long you're staying? How long you're not staying? It's like, yeah. oh, there's no room in this house. So there's, you know, packing and repacking. That's yeah. all, that's our lives are packing and repacking. We live in suitcases, literally. Yeah. And so, you know, there are times during this period where I thought to myself, hmm, yeah, I want to continue singing, but can I go back at that, at that ferocious rate, I, I don't think mm. I want to. I don't mm. think it's, I don't think I can. I, you know, the energy, because whatever we're going on, the, that spirit that we move with, when we fired up to work, you know, we've been, I've been doing. And so time to breathe, you know, you, you, decompressing. Whew. Yeah. You, it takes a lot to gear that, what, that, that machine back up, yeah. maybe. You know? And I think that's one of the things about lockdown is it's given us all a chance to sort of review our lifestyle and think what changes Absolutely. will we make and yeah, yeah. how to do it a little bit differently, but better, you know, yeah, yeah. and more comfortable, you know. More com- yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I've, I've also been very fortunate because the work I do is at a level, which yeah. means, you know, there's not too much. Although we're my band and we're back in the bus and all of us hurtling down, you know, three hours later, we're all piling up. Some can't walk, some all stiff. <laughs> you know, listen, that's the thing. That still goes on. <laughs> you know, trust me. And then yeah. when I would just, ooh, been taken everywhere and whatever. Yeah. Complete, two completely different lifestyles. But <laughs> I wouldn't trade it because one keeps me very grounded and one gives, say, I, I, I you know, I'm giving thanks and praises. Yeah. So two jobs. And, they, you know, you, you, you make it work. You make it yeah. work. But I think... This time round, I don't think the retirement is 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 something that I could can really deeply consider unless for health issues, then I have to stop. Mm. But no, I think in some capacity, yeah, I will yeah. still be doing something. Yeah, maybe yeah. not at the, the level and 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 like I say that I was I've been doing it before. Mm-hmm. She says because I've seen Lexia's diary. <laughs> And all those things you have to honor that to be moved and get moving. Yes, yes. Moving. So, so I said, God spare my life. I shall honor next year. <laughs> <laughs> and then I shall give it a real good think. For the next year yes. after that. <laughs> and then, and then, don't, anybody, don't anybody get clever and put anything else in there. <laughs> all that diary. Yeah. 2023. Yeah. Let's try and get to it. Well, who knows? Who knows anything? So, but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, the idea for me, I'm thinking... Yeah, I think maybe just go easy next time. Go easy mm-hmm. when we ease back into it, mm-hmm. and we've valued life. And how you know how you how you live your life now is really very important. Okay, so listen, you you've mentioned that you're signed to a label. 
And one of my previous guests, he was also signed to a label and he talked about the highs and the lows of being signed to a label. But um, the industry's changed, you know, because once upon a time, it was really important to be signed to a label to get anyone in music. Now you can DIY. So why did you decide to be signed to a label rather than do it yourself? I just really like this particular label, Reveal yeah. Records. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a good creative relationship with the MD, Tom Rose, Yeah. to the point where he produced uh, my last double album, Dreamland Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So he has a beautiful creative vision that I've enjoyed um, working with and working under. So I think that you're right, that the industry has changed and people are have a lot more liberty now to, to do as they please and to carve out the career that they want. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm still in love with the album format um, in terms of pieces of art. I have a desire to make, to write and produce albums and I'm happy to have found a place to present them to the world through in, in Reveal Records. You know, it's, mm. I like a lot of the other records that he puts out mm. and, um, I think it gives people a good sort of window, a kind of a way of presenting it, mm. the music, the songs. So are there any sort of tips you'd give anyone who wanted to be signed with a label based on your experience of how you got signed? I think research and buying and loving and consuming the records that you love. You know, I think a label's really good if, you're, if what you're doing is quite niche and, and it can be well supported in that way. So I think half of the battle is working out which label is appropriate for you and which you want to be signed to. Mm -hmm. I think it could be a bad situation if you're signed to the wrong one. So a lot of networking and going to shows and meeting the people sort of behind the websites, you know, me actually doing the human touch of talking to people. And the labels run by Tom Rose and um, we were in contact for about seven years before I signed to the label. He was uh, booking me for some shows and stuff. Mm. Um, we were in contact, but yeah, you have to do things at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of the right time, would you say that there's certain things you have to have in place that would make you attractive for a label? Well, it depends on the label. I mean, with Reveal Records and Tom Rose, you know, he's very much an artist himself, a creative person. and we had to wait for the time where, first of all, he heard something that in the music I was making that he wanted to release. Mm. And then he could see, uh, he had some creative ideas of people I could co-write. Like the first record I put out, I remember him saying, you know, it's really missing a story song. And he kindly set up a co-write session with a fantastic writer called Buhi Houdin. And we wrote a story song about a Syrian refugee called Hani, mm. who, um, has this debilitating eye condition where he can't see further than sort of 10 centimeters in front of his face. Wow. But he really gets into photography and his photos are brilliant and they got circulated around international media. Mm. Um, You could say that the camera lens kind of snapped his world into focus. Um, So much so that his family got pulled out of the camp in Lebanon and were offered sanctuary in Canada. Wow. And they, the Canadian authorities thought they could save his eyesight uh, with the technology, which sadly they couldn't. 
So it's this sort of bittersweet story where, you know, he made the ultimate sacrifice, but his family were all rehoused and had a new chapter, a new life. And with, you know, Tom introduced me to Big Dean and together we wrote a song called Close Up. For me, that's the benefit of being signed to Reveal Records and being in, involved in a creative community, being having the opportunity to realize ideas for mm. ideas to become reality. I did three albums before on my own. Right. You know, I think I worked away, crafted at what I did and to, to the point where it was ready to be um, delivered at that level. Mm. I was ready to step into that other arena, I guess. Yeah, because I think that the, the, a lot of the research shows that you've got to be at a particular level now for labels to take you on. You know, they're really going to take someone who's straight out of nowhere, really. You know, you've got to have proved yourself for them to take you on. Now, the thing that popped into my head earlier on is that you said, you know, there's some positives for you and that song, you know, you just describing that song already made me want to go listen and already made me want to get the hankies ready. It just sounds like a real tearjerker, <laughs> you know, very emotional. But um, is there anything you'd say about being signed to a label that doesn't really work? I mean, once upon a time, you and I was having a conversation about your name and how that, how the label sees your name in terms of if you wanted to do something outside of the label, are you still Dan Whitehouse or you're not Dan Whitehouse? There's something you, you'd probably have to explain that, but uh, Sure, I don't remember the context of that conversation, but I mean, the label have first dibs on any songs I write and st music that I release using my name, Dan Whitehouse, would, you know, be agreed with them and there'd be a schedule. Yeah. Not least because uh, my music appeals to a very small audience, you know, and so we wouldn't want to um, dilute the message, I guess, or that's like a sort of marketing thinking, you know, mm. and I trust their, their judgment on that. Because you tend to hear that labels um, own you completely. Is that true? That it's like a, a 360, so anything you write, if you make anything, they get a percentage of everything you do, as opposed to back in the day when maybe they just own you as a band, but not necessarily your, your songwriting rights. How does it work in from your experience and your knowledge of labels in general, not necessarily reveal, but uh, for labels in general? I mean, there are deals like the ones you describe with major labels and pop acts, I think, mainly. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the type of deal I'm on is, is a licensing deal. Oh. So uh, I still do other projects. I'm, I'm working this year on something called Voices from the Cones, which is an Arts Council funded project, a various artists project, lots of different singers involved. And I'm producing the album. Um, that's about the history of glass making in Starbridge. Oh, okay. Um, for example, and I still do sessions for other artists playing, you know, lead guitar or mm -hmm. singing backing vocals or singing lead vocals at times. I did something for David Barron mm -hmm. recently, a producer in America. It, I just, you know, we'll, we'll discuss album projects together and then I'll license the album to them okay. for a, set period of time but it's all through negotiation do you want to just say um, what you mean by a licensing deal because people may not know what that means so you hand the rights of the recording to the record company for a set period in you know five or ten years or forever if you want to 
you know they own the master rights to the recording they are they can then exploit those rights in any way they see fit so seeking out uh, syncs for it so trying to match the music with television film or advertisements mm-hmm. and that's separate to the publishing deal i have with westbury music and reveal so you mentioned about um, the different routes to different things yeah. i want to be able to say something about that because when i have people are listening you're thinking well how do i become a ranger or how do i play for brooklyn funk essentials or how do i play yeah. for, not necessarily those bands but yeah what are the sort of routes that you spot as you were going through the music industry for people to or musicians to, to navigate or to to take um that's a tricky one um i mean it's a very personal thing i think you know for for me the the way that i the way that i've been able to join these bands is literally from from the very beginning, I I can only ever give 100%. So I can't, I'm completely incapable of doing a half-hearted job on anything, which over all aspects of my life, which drives me insane because it means if I start cleaning the house, then every little inch of, you know, I'm, I can be a little bit obsessive like that sometimes. Okay. I can't do a half-hearted job. I'm an all or nothing person. Mm. So um, with music, um, I will throw myself into a project 100%. Um, and I think, and I and I work really, really hard. And, um, you know, I make sure if I'm learning material that I will know something inside out and back to front. Mm. Um, and I think, and also, you know, practicing, really knowing my craft, you, pe- people do notice. You might not think, mm. but people do notice. So, for example, um, I... I became a member of the Brooklyn Funk Essentials it, through, it started with an email um, that just appeared out of nowhere when I was sitting. Um, I was actually at the time, as well as being a music arranger, I'm a, what they call a music preparation specialist. So sometimes I will work on scores and look for two notes that might be squashed up against each other and or look for mistakes and correct them in a score. So I, I, I did this for a lot of the music for um, Doctor Who and Torchwood about, I don't know, 10 years or so ago. I, I So I was sitting one night on a very short deadline. I think I had till two o'clock in the morning to finish working on a score for Doctor Who. I wasn't composing the music, wasn't mm-hmm. arranging the music. I was literally looking at the scores and making sure that nothing was in the wrong place. It was yeah. really meticulous sort of work. And this email arrived in my inbox from a man called Ivan Van Hetten, mm-hmm. um, who I'm now engaged to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And um, we've been together for uh, nearly 10 years now. We okay. were supposed to we were supposed to have been married in April, but obviously with the, with the situation oh, we've had yeah. to postpone. Um, and this, you know, a, a, an, an email arrived saying, um, you know, I've, I've been passed on your name and um, basically I've checked you out on the Internet and we're looking for someone to tour with us. And I wondered if you might be interested mm. um, and, you know, look the band up and thought, wow, this is fantastic. I would have been interested to tour at that point anyway, but to tour with a band where you absolutely love the music. It's just that's a, that's a blessing. Mm. And, you know, it's it seems like that has dropped out of nowhere. But actually, when I asked later, you know, well, where did you get where did yeah. you get my name from? Yeah. Um, you know, apparently my name had had come up a few times. Mm. Um, and this is an international band. So they were sort of looking 
worldwide. Um, and I guess the thing is, your name comes up enough times from people that you've worked with who've been impressed by the way that you've played or your professionalism and, you know, mm-hmm. um, that actually what you don't realise is that every gig that you go to and every performance you, you, you give, you are building your reputation, you know every every single time and people do start to talk and you you know you might not be aware of it but that's why it's so important to always give your best always play your best always turn up on time always you know always take care of your appearance because what you don't always realize is that you're you're laying down those foundations for someone to then give you a recommendation that may lead to another recommendation and you know you start moving in different circles and you know maybe gradually sort of moving up the ladder which is what has happened throughout my career and I think also having your own having your own material out there as well you know I was fortunate enough back when I recorded my jazz album with the Anna Brooks Quintet back in 2003, I was fortunate enough to have been um, commissioned by the Jerwood um, Music Foundation um, to write music for a performance at the Cheltenham Jazz Festival. And then somebody heard that when I was playing the same music at the Brecon Jazz Festival. And then they said, we've got a new record company and we'd like to sign you. And I thought, nonsense. That's just, you know, people tell you things at gigs and you're like, yeah, yeah. And I literally was backstage going, yeah, yeah, I got a recording studio. Yeah, yeah. But it it was a a kosher thing. And um, again, you know, it's, it's these little, every gig that you do, and every new opportunity um, you take advantage of and you take on board, you're sowing the seeds for things that you, you don't realise that then happen further down the line. I like that mm. because I think there are some people who feel as though they don't have to do a gig, that they've got a great craft, you know, be the voice, an instrument or whatever, and that someone should just see them in the crowd, point to them and say, we want to sign you from major label or something without having yeah. done the work. Yeah, actually, that's the thing. You've got yeah. to do the journey, haven't you? I think, yeah, you have to do the journey. And mm. for some people, they may be very lucky and that may happen. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's... It, that would be luck you happen to be in the in and there is an element of luck as well I suppose but you know happening to be in the in the right place at the, the right time but mm, yeah I think that's also part of the culture that we live in where people think um oh I can you know maybe just get a social media presence and then something amazing will happen yes yeah no yeah. you've got to you know it's years and years of practice yeah years and years yeah. of hard work and experience you know I feel blessed to be able to say that I am a full-time musician. That is something that is very difficult uh, Mm. to be able to say that you, like all your income is based on on either teaching music or performing music. Uh, And I I feel so lucky to be able to say that that's what I do. Oops, just dropped my phone there. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just dropped on my lap. I was listening. I was just keeping an eye on the time as well because I know you you had a, to go off. But um, I'm still interested in in the way we are now. I mean, you are a full time musician, but what was the journey for you as a full time musician? How did you sort of build up yourself to become a full time musician? I mean, obviously you've mentioned you you did your degree, um, but then then what happened? Well, I. I did my degree at Birmingham Conservatoire, that was about four years, 
whilst I was doing my degree, I, you know, sang as a you know, student, part-time musician, uh, singing for weddings, funerals, engagements, uh, some concerts. I'd learned how to put on my own concerts and uh, went and did some more study and then didn't go down the route that is sort of prescribed to you to make it as an opera singer. You're supposed to, you're supposed to go to a music college and do a bachelor of music degree, which I did. Then you go and do a postgrad, which I did, but then you go and do a master's, you go to an opera school, which I tried to get onto, but did not. Uh, then you might go to uh, an opera studio like the National Opera Studio in the UK or any of the opera studios in like, Germany, Switzerland. Uh, that was not my path. I wasn't, I wasn't vocally ready. I wasn't vocally there yet to, to jump on that path. Uh, so I ended up very fortunately working for an opera company straight out of music college, straight out of my postgraduate degree. Mm. which meant that I sort of treated that like my continuation of study. Yeah. Uh, and I was by no means like a full-time musician then. I was very much, I'd, I'd get this little bit of work there and then I'd have two, three months uh, where I would be, you know, back in Birmingham doing my, you know, teaching at the schools that I teach, teaching privately, and then I'd go off again to uh, to another gig for another couple of months. So not, not you know bang 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 like okay. it is right now yeah. um and I just I just plugged away at it and just kept on going at it I was extremely fortunate as well that I have uh parents who supported me a hundred percent you know a hundred percent behind what I was doing mm. um and that I you know did I had teaching as well that I could fall back and and the balance between teaching being my main source of income and performing being my main source of income has always, you know, mm. there's been a little balance in terms of that. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's just, I, I found a, one particular opera company that saw potential in me, decided that they were going to throw a lot of support behind me, enabled me to, uh, you know, be in, be in their main stage operas, be in uh, operas for children, do workshopping. And the more and more experience I gained in those three different strands, mm. the, the more and more I was confident enough to, you know, work with other people and say, look, this is what I do. This is what I can achieve. And, you know, hire me because why, why wouldn't you? Um, that sounds so awful, doesn't it? Why wouldn't you hire me? Come on. But, you know, you, you have to, uh, I am hilariously, I am also really uh, backwards in coming forwards with what I have to offer. And I think I've only recently become more forwards about what I do and what I have to okay. offer. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a massive part of, of um, becoming a full-time, whatever it is that you're, you know, whatever it is you're wanting to do, a full-time musician, a full-time mm. um, music producer, studio engineer, uh, full-time music librarian, uh, full-time uh, choir master. You, you get to the point where you look at yourself and you go, actually, I have a lot to give. I have... I have talent, I have drive, determination, and I, I conduct myself in a certain way. So yeah, I'm gonna go out there with that energy into the world and hopefully people will pick up on that and employ me. So that's, that's I think, how I have managed to 
maintain a, a more full-time feeling of a, of a career. Definitely feels full right now, which is great. I'm so, <laughs> so happy. I'm so fortunate. I'm really, really fortunate. Um, yeah. And then also feeling as well, you know, balancing that with a sense of feeling fortunate, feeling blessed, feeling that at any point in time, this, this you know, could be taken away from you as we all felt this year. So much yeah. was taken away from us all this year and just maintaining well, yeah. that sense of gratefulness for, for what you have, I think yeah. is an important balance to also have. So it's and not then, all about an X Factor contract then? No, my goodness. X Factor's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> Seriously, that, that program. I mean, I get it. It's fun and it's, yeah. you know, it's family yeah. entertainment. But I do think it sets this ridiculously high standard. Mm. And it makes a lot of young people, I find, think that they're really rubbish because they're comparing themselves to people that, you know... X Factor sometimes make out, oh, look at this boy band. They've just been rehearsing in their bedroom for the last year and a half and they're just amazing. When actually that's not always the case. Like X Factor scout for groups that are already managed and produced and are already excellent and then uh, get them to pretend to do an audition. Yeah. When they've had so much work, like I was working with a boy band and they are excellent. Four boys, yeah. they've got very wealthy families. They've had a lot of money put into them. They've had a lot of training. And then X Factor scouted them and said they wanted to put them in auditions and they'd make this whole story mm. that they're just four lads that got together, you know, a couple of weeks ago and are amazing. I'm like, that's not fair because you're you're making out that it's easy to get this high standard when actually that high standard was through money and time and effort yeah. and training. And then oh. other people look at it and think, oh, I'm not as good as that. Well, yeah, because you just haven't spent £10,000 or whatever it was that ridiculous amounts of money their four parents have spent on them. So, yeah, gives kids issues. Anyway, that was a totally random thing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's random, but I think it's really important because a lot of people, like you say, I'm just turning my fan off. A lot of people get the wrong impression. I mean, I know two or three people who have been contestants who probably got into the top top fifteen, top ten type thing. And when they tell me what the behind the scenes is like, I'm like, pardon, yeah. <laughs> because what yeah. you see on the TV is not what it's like behind the scenes you know and you know just your story there I think it's important for people to know that you know if you're going for a competition it's not like that there is this persona of you've got to be at a certain level or you're going to be picked and you're going to be great and you know you're going to get this really fantastic thing and then you're going to get the contract even if you do win it's only one person what person that will get that contract really mm. Yeah. And then it's a whole different life after that, you know. And they're not always so. necessarily happy, you know. I mean, some of them are yeah. happy, but some of them are not necessarily happy. And then you think you've done all of that and then you're not actually that happy. So like, oh, man, that that's hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So I do yeah. I do think that, like, get, get your skill up and um, get your psychology up. Know the best place for you. And that might not mm. mean fame and fortune. Now, for some people, they totally want the fame and fortune. And if they got it, they'd be like flying. But other people, mm. it wouldn't suit them. So I think there's a lot about knowing who you are and, and, where, and where you fit, you know, and where's best for you as a person. Yeah. Mm. But the third so thing I think... Got... I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to say number yeah. three. <laughs> Uh, the third thing I say is like just get out there so when I was first wanting to um, get in a jazz band before I met Alex and auditioned for his band um, I saw lots of signs up for different 
jazz bands around the area. So I would just walk in and, and find the leader and go, hi, I really want to get into jazz. Uh, any chance of singing with you guys tonight? You know, I can I can mm. sing this number, this, you know, all the standards. And yeah. they're like, yeah, great. So just started singing with them. And then um, they were super friendly. And then I, I'd go along and it became a bit of a regular thing. And then one of them mm. did a bit of an offshoot and he did a different band. So I was with them for a little bit. So I'd say, yeah, just to get out there and start talking to people and because you can build all the skill in the world but if you just stay in your bedroom building your skill you're not going to do mm. very much so like build the skill know who you are and then yeah get yourself out there and see what you can get do you think that um others just coming off that that those who are just trying to get into music should actually spend some money in a recording studio and make a an EP or an album or something even though they haven't got a fan base or they've not actually performed anywhere do you think that's a a way to go yeah I mean I love that phrase of um success is when um skill meets opportunity and mm. so I think um no that's wrong sorry success is when preparation meets opportunity preparation mm-hmm. meets opportunity so I uh I think if you can have a website and definitely buy your own name you know so I've got louisedengate.com I've had that for like empty empty years um uh, you know, but whoever whatever your name is buy buy your name and then, yeah, definitely put on um, you, you, your performance reels and all that kind of thing. Because then if something comes along, you can just go, oh, yeah, here you go. Hit click. There's a link. And you can hear me yeah. sing. You can hear yeah. me play. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just there. So it's being ready. If someone was thinking, right, I want to go into production, I've got the skills and that, is there a lot of things they've got to do to establish themselves? Or would you advise that they follow a particular path first? Or how, what would you advise on that? I would say um, for, for someone going into it now, mm. I, I would definitely advise that they study it. Mm. Um, I took the long route of, of being self-taught. I think I'd have got to where I wanted to get to a lot quicker if I'd have actually studied it. But in the days that I wanted to go uni, there weren't courses on production and popular music. And it was either you get a grade eight in classical music and go to a conservatoire and study classical music. Yeah. But there weren't popular music courses. Um, now there are. There are a wealth of courses that you can do. There are degrees in in in, um, in music um, production, in uh, music tech you can do all sorts of courses you can do even courses in songwriting but do the course in the sort of stuff you're passionate about passionate about and and then start to build a client base with what you do start to do you have to do some free work mm. you have to do some work that's going to get your product out there you have to have a vehicle for your product so a lot of people say to me well oh, how do i get a remix how do i get to you know do these remixes how do i get to do this production how but you're not going to get straight away to produce beyonce novels you you have to have work that they can hear so sometimes that might mean working with a young artist for very little fee or nothing or developing something for yourself but you have to get your stuff heard um that's something that i've always advocated is get yourself get your material heard Um, and you have to, you can't be afraid to invest in yourself. Um, I have a lot of people that ask, oh, I need a break. I want to record. I want to do an album. And I know that if you produce my album, it's going to be fantastic. I don't know. Maybe it might be, but 
have you done anything for yourself? Have you actually bought a microphone? Have you bought a, uh, a piece of recording equipment? Mm. Have you bought an instrument? Do you know what I'm saying? People, people are not going to invest in you if they don't see some self-investment first. Mm. Um, that's always a good test of, of whether you are serious about what you're doing mm. or whether it's just a whim. Mm. So I would encourage anybody, invest in yourself, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. I like that. I love that because um, I do still meet people who are looking for someone to phone them or bump <laughs> up into them in the road or forming and say, hey, we want you. You know, they, they, they're looking for that. You know, like yeah. you see them films, you're just a person I need. I'm like, that. you know, they're still, and I'm thinking, what? Yeah. You know, it's, it's DIY, baby. We're in a DIY yeah. world. It's <laughs> not going to happen. It's just, it's not going to happen. I think I think the X Factor and some of the shows have painted a completely false reality yes. um, for, for what's going on at the moment in the music industry. So people think, if I get with somebody that's doing something, then I'm going to be able to do something. Mm. Um, but I, I really cannot advocate enough how much it means for you to invest in yourself. Yeah. Um, when, when we first built the studio and, and Polydor said to me, we can build the studio, it was part of an advance. Now, I remember saying to people, oh, I've signed a record deal and they were saying, well, what are you doing catching the bus? And I'm thinking, well, all the money that I signed off this contract went into a studio mm. i didn't have a car at the time right <laughs> and michael michael used to, michael had a car yeah and michael used to say to me people think you're crazy you know tony because mm. most people go out and look after themselves they get a record deal it's all about yeah you know look about and i'm thinking oh, i've invested all this money into a studio mm. there was stuff i didn't have in my house mm. you know i was i was newly married Mm. We'd got a house and there was stuff that needed fixing, doing up and that. And, and God bless her, my wife said, okay, I understand what you're doing. I can see where you're going with this. And it was the best investment I ever made because yeah. I'm still earning from it now. It's, yeah. it's what's making living for me now. But at the time, I was sometimes catching the bus to that studio mm -hmm. <laughs> that yes. I owned. But now, it was, yeah. So, you said a couple of really interesting things here. You used the word advanced. I mean, we could just explain what that really means for people who don't understand it. That's my first. Well, I think, in the well, in the days, I think this still, still is the case when you sign to um, most major labels, they give you an advance of money um, once you sign the contract. So, it could be for um, your first year, you get a certain amount of money to produce an album for them. Um, and on the second year, they'll give you another advance to produce another album for them. And normally, it's, it's an escalating scale, so it goes up each year if you've produced your album and done your, your music for them. Um, but that advance is paid back from your royalties. Ah. Um, what a lot of artists don't realise is it's a loan. It is not free money. Mm -hmm. So that, that's when you hear the stories of artists that say, I'm broke, got no money, and I've been ripped off. It's not necessarily that. It's just that when you when you sign to a record company, they will put all this money into you. You can shoot your videos. You can have all the food laid out at your videos. You can be treated like royalty. You can have limos. You can have whatever you want. Mm. But once your record starts to sell, they're just ticking off the money that they've paid to you in the first place and going, well, you owe us that. You owe us this. 
So when your record's multi-platinum and you've got a plaque on your wall saying you've sold a million records, mm. the record company goes, yeah, but you owe us 1.5 million after all of the stuff you've done. Wow. So you're actually still in debt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds, I mean, like, I, I understand how it works, but it sounds like they give you this money at the beginning, which is like, say they give you uh, 50,000 at the beginning for the year, you think, great, yeah. blow it. And then year two, they say, okay, royalties 80. Uh, we, we, we need that 50 back. So you're not going to get yeah. So when do you actually get paid? You know, <laughs> bought the car, you've got the studio. It's like they're giving it to you and then they're taking it back. So you're back on zero, it seems. How yeah, do you exactly. how do you make it? <laughs> it seems like what's going on? it's very difficult to make money with major labels. You have to, mm. you have to be selling in the millions to make mm. money out of them because they claw back everything. Um, oh. there is there is um what they call a clawback on, on all of the stuff. So they they really do itemize everything they spend on you. So you really have to be selling records. And I, I pity people that are signing them now. I would not sign to a major deal now. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but the, the thing that they do now is what they call 360 deals, where it's a case of they now take percentages of every part of your career. So they will take a percentage of your merchandise. They'll take a percentage of your videos, your songs, publishing. Everything is tied up now in, in one record deal. In mm. my day, it was simply a record deal. You could go out and sign a publishing deal separately, mm. um, which was always a good thing because your songs stayed separate to the record company. Mm -hmm. um, these days, not so. They sign you for everything, so literally you are locked up. Wow. And how long are you locked up for? <laughs> that depends on what your contract is. You could It could be a year. It could be five years. Um, and your music, is your songs are tied up for 25 Wow. So you can't get the rights to those songs or do you have some right? It's all signed over to them. Yeah. Wow. That, that is not good. <laughs> no, it isn't. It isn't. And, it's, and, and that's why I say for people that want to do music now, I'd say you have to be passionate about it mm -hmm. and you have to look at ways to actually do it yourself rather than, I think the danger is to go around saying, oh, I want a deal. I want somebody to put all this investment into me. Yeah, they will do that, but it's going to come at a cost. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I think the best way at the moment, and anybody in the industry is going to tell you, the best way at the moment is independence. It's a do-it-yourself. It's harder, but everything's coming back into your own pocket. That was amazing. And there's so much there for you to take away and to apply as you build your music business. Now, don't forget to download my free gift I mentioned earlier on. 10 Reasons Why Your Customers Will Pay You Before Gig Day. And you can get this from my website, www.successbeyondthescore.com. Get paid before gig day. Remember, if you've tried to get paid in advance and it's not worked, this list will give you the answers why and the sort of things you can put in place to make it happen. Okay, speak to you soon. Bye for now.